This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're going to drive! Sweet. There's a shot. High drive! Out of here! This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Challenger strikes out swinging. Bang! And as he struck him out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Moments. Yastrzemski. Gone! And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Parker. With Adam Copeland. Welcome back into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. A fun episode for you today. Abe Silvestri, the director of team operations, is going to join us later in the podcast for a good conversation on what happens inside of the Giants clubhouse. We're doing Inside Giant Moments. We're going to take you inside the Giant clubhouse, also the visiting clubhouse, as uh, as Abe was the visiting clubhouse manager for many years and was also uh, awarded the best visiting clubhouse manager award by his peers. So across baseball, they took care of the visitor better than anybody else, which says a lot about a team that was winning championships and taking care of the opponent but we'll pick his brain as a guy who works for the organization how he has to handle when another team like the Dodgers has a celebration in the visiting clubhouse but now he's over on the Giants side and handles all of the team travel I talked a lot about that uh, in the 2020 season what a, a hectic crazy environment that was and now is the director of team operations uh, in the clubhouse on the Giants side of things so a really cool conversation coming up with him we'll talk to him about uh, how players go through the day-to-day what travel is like how they get their uh, their room set how they get their uh, their travel money all this sort of stuff for the players it's a lot of fun Abe Silvestri is behind all of it in a uh, just a great conversationalist too so we'll play that for you a couple of things we should get to as it pertains to the Giants this week uh, the announcement was made after uh, we talked about the schedule uh, a couple of weeks ago maybe it was last Last week, we discussed the uh, the schedule coming out. The Giants opening the season next year in New York, going to play every team in the American League, and uh, half the teams in the American League will come to San Francisco. Well, the other little wrinkle to the schedule is the Giants and the Padres in April of next year are going to play a two-game set in Mexico City. How cool is that? Giants going international, going full gigantes on us down in Mexico City. They were uh, originally the plan was for the Giants and the Pods to do that this year, but because of the lockout, everything got thrown out of whack with the schedule. They've got to make up those games still against San Diego. And so uh, we actually, that's why there's been a couple of four-game series. I think there may be one tacked on at the end of the year in October as well as the season goes all the way to October 5th this season. But uh, that's pretty cool. Major League Baseball has done this over the last few years, uh, just like the NFL has and the NBA has. The Warriors are going to play some games in Japan this preseason. But as a way to kind of grow the game internationally, I think it's an awesome thing to do. Take the game down to Mexico City. Let everybody get a look at the Giants and the Padres and Major League Baseball. They went to Wembley a couple of years ago. Remember that? The uh, the Yankees and the uh, the Red Sox went out to London and played a couple of games. They scored like 45 runs or something between the two teams in those, uh, those two games they played in London. The ball was flying. It was a short field. So we'll see if there's any funky dimensions for the Giants down in Mexico City. And the A's many times have gone to Japan to play uh 
play the Mariners. They've done that a couple of different times to open the season most recently back in 2019. I was actually in Australia, and uh, because the game was being played in Japan, I got to catch a little Major League Baseball in Australia on television at 8 o'clock. It was a, a much more reasonable hour to watch that series. So pretty cool the Giants are going to do that going internationally. All right, uh, we'll get into our conversation here with Abe Silvestri, the director of team operations for the San Francisco Giants. He's got a really interesting story, has one of the coolest jobs, I think, in all of baseball, a tireless, maybe at times a thankless job for all the stuff he's got to do. But the fact that he was over on the visitor side, now is over on the Giants side and is working with these guys. You may have seen him in the Jock Peterson video that put out, that was put out on uh, sfgiants.com where it was a day in the life of Jock and talks about his music and how he wants to change the music uh, for his walk-up and just the way he tries to change the vibe of a clubhouse. Abe is dialed into that and is really close to these guys. So here it is, our conversation with Giants Director of Team Operations, Abe Silvestri. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, Abe Silvestri. He is the Senior Director of Team Operations, but I think as you come to find out, uh, that, that doesn't tell the half of the story. Abe, thanks for making time today, man. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So uh, in terms of Senior Director of Team Operations, somebody's flipping through the media guide and they see that. Well, what's the expectation or what do you think people, people believe you do when they see that title? That's a good question. I mean, they, they could think I have something to do with the ballpark or uh, the team store even, um, <laughs> which sometimes sounds uh, more relaxing than what I currently do. But regardless, um, I, I guess the, the translated version is, is traveling secretary at, at its at its like grassroots level. Um, but really, it's everything I try to tell people back home, everything that you don't see on TV, uh, I I, uh, I'm at least got my hand in it. So, so how long have you been with the organization and, and give us some of the other titles you've held? Cause we'll get back to the, the senior director of team ops slash traveling secretary sort of umbrella, but uh, how long have you been with the team and what else have you done in the organization? This is my eighth year. Uh, my first five years, I managed our visiting clubhouse, um, which was, which was un an unreal experience. I mean, um, you know, basically we're, we're taking charge of the, or we're, we're taking care of the enemy uh, every night, every home game. Um, and so I, I tried to, I try to run it like a restaurant, you know, no guys by name when they walked in, know where they like to sit, know what they like to order, what they like to drink. Uh, in fact, I think we did such a good job that um, we didn't win a lot of games during those five years. Uh, uh, I was hired in 2015 to do that. Um, so I think they, they won a few times uh, before 2015, and so it was kind of a joke. And, and after five years, when we hired Farhan, Kapler, and Scott Harris, who had all been through the visiting clubhouse, I think they looked down the hall like, yeah, we don't want that guy taking care of, uh, of uh, the opponent anymore. So they, they slid me down the hall. Well, you were winning awards for being the best visiting clubhouse manager, man. I mean, I can understand the team going, hey, if we got a guy who's this good on the other side, maybe he should be working for us. Yeah, that's what it felt like. That was never the intention. I really just wanted to um, I really just wanted to put San Francisco on the map as being a place that everybody enjoyed going. And the other thing I looked at it as I looked at it as recruiting. You know, if there's a free agent and he looks at the experience he had on the visiting side, you know, he could only imagine how they treat him on the home side. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of worked. It, it kind of worked out like that. Um, I really promoted our city over there, not so much our team, because you know, you know, you're at Oracle Park, you know, you're playing baseball, but when it comes to decor, like the thing that separates it is San Francisco, you know, so uh, a lot of Golden Gate Bridge, we try to bring a lot of local restaurants in. Um, we played a lot of 
we try to play a lot of local music, live concert posters throughout the hallways. I mean, it really just, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, winning, winning awards is cool. We, nobody else cares, but we cared, you know, we really yeah. cared. Yeah. And, and you wore it as a badge of honor, man. And it's, it's uh, parlayed into something pretty nice for you with this new position. So the visiting clubhouse situation has always been fascinating to me because I imagine there's like a weird sort of disconnect there because you're, you know, you're, you're cashing checks that are signed by the San Francisco Giants. But as you said, you're there to make the opponent, the visitor, the enemy feel comfortable like they're sitting at home. Uh, is it weird? Like, you know, Dodgers have won big games here. They win a, a, a you know, the division series here last year. I, I don't think I could be that professional, man. I don't think I could like hand Cody Bellinger a bottle of champagne. walking. Oh, up my gosh. Bus. But it's your gig, man. So, so how do you how do you navigate that? And I imagine your team of guys and, and women that are hanging around and working with you have that same sort of issue that they're they're Giants fans at heart, but they're working for the enemy here you you nailed it you you want i mean that's the best description i've heard anybody say of it you're you, you really have to brainwash yourself uh for a minute the the hardest the hardest i ever had it was 16 um we took a lead into the ninth to to basically send the series to uh wrigley field for for a game five against those guys in the divisional series and um and uh, i had just gotten a call from uh, the guy, the individual I replaced saying, Hey, pack your bag. We're going to take you with, with us to Wrigley. Um, it was my first kind of year doing a playoff run. Um, and, uh, and the next thing I know, uh, the Cubs won it. Uh, and, and now I've got to host a party, a big party. Cause the, that, that 2016 Cubs team, they, they knew how to get after it. Um, and, and like you said, I, I go from packing my bag thinking, wow, this is just what the Giants do. They win it every even year to handing a bottle of champagne to, you know, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Theo Epstein. And I mean, big, big, big time names. But in that moment, trying to put on a face like you care yeah. is, is really difficult because your gut, it, it feels like you just got punched. Um, and I, I couldn't watch any baseball the rest of that offseason. And it, it took a while to get over it. But you're right, man. It's, you can't cheer, you know, it's not like your, your team. And like you said, there's a team that's paying you, you know, there's a team that's paying the bills and there's a team that's tipping you. Uh, so you have to find this balance where you don't get overly excited for the team that's paying your bills. Um, you try to keep a straight face for the team that, that tips on their way out. Um, yeah, it's not easy. We used to have to sprint to the back and like do like a silent, like high five and then come back out like we you know didn't care i mean that's that's the ultimate uh, uh having to be a professional because again like i've done i've done what you're talking about where i've worked in really nice high-end restaurants here in the city celebrity like restaurants and you're right sometimes you got to do stuff and have conversations with people that make you uncomfortable that you don't want to do because that's your job but it's different when there's like a an existential investment into an organization because well yeah i work at the restaurant and i want it to do well i haven't been following it uh for six months every day since i was six years old you know it's it's a little bit exactly. different than a baseball team so in in terms of like having to throw those parties I'm trying to think what other big ones have there been the Dodgers won a division here didn't they I hosted three Dodger celebrations and one Cubs celebration and I want to say two of the Dodger celebrations the Giants were already out of it and mm. I actually tried to just soak those ones in and after a while like you spend more time with the Dodgers than than I did my own kids one year you know like um, including spring training I think I spent you know almost 20 days total uh, in a, in a calendar year with those guys. So, you know, 
Bellinger, Kershaw, Turner, Chase Utley, a lot of these guys, Dave Roberts. I mean, they kind of become like uh, your buddies from out of town that stop in and you got to film a big party. Um, and, you know, it's not like we're in the middle drinking with them, but it feels like you are, you know, and, and you do kind of, I mean, I hate to say this, like you, you kind of start to root for them a little bit. And then I, I tell you what, though, the minute uh, I swapped roles, I could not hate that team any more than I do now. Nice. Uh, nice. Which is sad, which is sad because I, I really have a lot of respect for them. Uh, you know, like I said, got to be in there with them. Um, they accepted me as almost part of their family at one period of time. And and, and now I just want them to go away. You know, yeah, see, um, see I, it, it pumps through you, man. I love hearing this. I love as a, as a Bay Area guy and as a guy who loves to hate the Dodgers. And again, it's, it's all about on the field. It's all about, uh, you know, I, I love that the Dodgers moved west and that they convinced uh, the Giants to move west with them because it's kept that rivalry alive. And it's our it really is the West Coast rivalry in professional sports. The Lakers and the Warriors don't have that same thing. It's not like the Kings are a, a factor and all that. The Niners and the Rams a little bit, but they'd gone to St. Louis. The Giants and the Dodgers is rooted back in in New York. So, I mean, you're I, I've you were born in Washington. You're not a born and raised Bay Area guy, are you? No, my my. It's what's interesting though, and this is how the game brings everything full circle. My my dad was born and raised in um, Menlo Park, and okay. uh, at the age of like 20, decided he had to get out of the grind, and he and he was literally driving to Alaska to go buy some land and just get out of it, and and stopped in Northern Washington right before Canada, and that's where I ended up being born, raised. Um, so the only baseball stories I really was raised on were stories about watching Willie Mays at um, Seal Stadium, the Giants, the Giants, the Giants. And, and I, I would sneak away to become a Mariners fan from time to time, but really it was about the Raiders and the Giants. Uh, um, so to, to, to get a job with the Giants has really been full circle. Uh, it's been very, very fortunate to like share that with my dad, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think then, were you a, uh, were you a, like a Dave Newhouse guy, the Edgar Martinez? Uh, oh, the big my goodness. Yeah. Did I asked I asked some guys on the bus the other day. I goes, anybody know Dave Newhouse's grand slam call? You know, like Kuiper's got a home run call. Everybody's got a call. I say, anybody know Dave Newhouse's? And I gave him the uh, get out the rye bread, Grandma, you know. And yeah, the mustard and rye, it's a grand slam. Oh, call, my man. goodness. 1995, like gave me a lifelong love affair with this game because of what that team did. And I try to tell people too, like, look, King Griffey Jr. is our Willie Mays, you know, and it's hard to compare the two, but that's what he stood for. And still does to this day, you know, he's a Mount Rushmore guy up there. Yeah. Those are my guys, man. Bonds and Griffey as a kid, by the way, uh, being that, that you uh, worked in it or work as, as you know, in the, in the traveling uh, situation and optics and operations for the giants, uh, you can go back to George Costanza with that role where I think he says to George Steinbrenner, you know, I figured out a way we can get bonds and Griffey and it wouldn't even cost us that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting, the more I think about it, I, I've got a very, um, I'm very grateful for the relationship I have with Farhan and um, I've never viewed it like this. And I'm not sure right now, like today I would do it, but I, I definitely have, um, I've definitely earned the uh, ability to maybe pop my head into his office from time to time and throw something at him like that. Um, luckily by now he knows I'm, I'm full of crap and, and just messing with him, but like just the ability to do that with the president of, uh, of this team is I, 
you know, something I don't take for granted. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's super cool, man. Just to be able to, you know, to, it's it's what every fan wants, right? To, just to be heard, sort of, even if totally. you're joking, even if you think something doesn't work 100%, out, just to, just 100%. to be heard by a, a GM yeah. or a president. Uh, so, so you talked about in the visiting clubhouse, about uh, you you saw it sometimes as like a recruitment thing, like maybe a guy becomes a free agent and thinks, hey, I love to be in there as a visitor. It's a great city to go play in, the way they treat the players, even on the visiting side. Who's your favorite guy, you think, that you knew or got to know a little bit in a visiting clubhouse that ended up coming over here and now you get to see, maybe not even a guy who's still here now but a guy who started on the other side and then came over and you're like how cool is this now he's he's a part of our organization i mean tony watson definitely st- uh kind of jumps to mind right away um the good news i'll say this about this game as a whole i can count on one hand the number of guys i wouldn't want to see in a giants uniform and that's just because i you know uh, on a personal level didn't think they were good clubhouse guys and they mm-hmm. wouldn't mesh well uh so really anybody we get uh, who played, who's been in this game um, prior to 2020, like I'll know him. I'll know him from before. Anybody that we, that we acquire in a trade. And um, I mean, honestly, even, even Chris Bryant and getting to uh, reminisce on 16 and tell him how much I loathed him uh, uh, in that moment, but how, how happy I was that he was a giant. We've, we, you know, that's one thing Cap and Farhan and, and Scott have done. We, we've gotten so many good dudes, you know, in that clubhouse putting a uniform on every night that, um, it really at this point, if they played for a previous team and I had them, I'm happy to see them, you know, um, I'm happy to see them. And yeah, we get to draw that connection. Uh, sometimes I got to remind guys, Hey, it's Abe from the visiting side. Now I'll be the one flying here, you know, um, which, you know, it's a good icebreaker when you sign a free agent for sure. That's cool, man. It really is cool because, you know, you talk about the culture that they've sort of created. And I think last year it's it's obvious when a team is doing well and it seems like culture is great. And I think Giants fans look back at 2010, same thing, different type of culture, but obviously culture was big throughout that clubhouse, a, a big veteran culture. I've always thought that in baseball clubhouse culture was maybe more important than in any other sport, because we think about, you know, April to October could be the season, but really it's February. It's from the time these guys report to spring mm-hmm. training playing every single day together and football, they work together. Sure. But it's one game a week. It's part of the year in baseball. You got to go all the way through maybe sometimes to November, the team that wins the world series this year is going to be playing into November. What kind of role do you think you help play in, in helping keep things light or create a culture in a clubhouse that allows guys to, to be free and to not wear the weight of maybe a difficult season or a difficult game day to day. I'll tell you what it it's, it, um, and you nailed it. Like it, it, it's a huge part. In fact, it's what we, I think our staff takes the most pride on. And we, by the way, we have an incredible um, support staff, especially sort of um, back in our world with, you know, travel clubhouse operations, uh, the families, I mean, we've, we've really had the freedom to build an army of guys. And the way that we harness that culture is, um, yeah, it's not always easy. It's not always pretty. But if we can remove as many distractions as we possibly can for these guys so that they can try to find a way to continue to enjoy this game and show up to work every day, win or lose, um, we really are incapable of saying no when it comes to something a guy's got and wants to throw at us. I mean, I, I've seen it on the visiting side. You know, you get a guy that puts in a late ticket request and he gets some salty attitude back from a, a veteran travel guy that's been doing it for 40 years. It's like, man, it's just that that negativity just slowly builds up and pretty soon, like, people are avoiding each other. We, we try to we, we try to make it so that um, it's just very comfortable 
and, and we're very approachable. Um, Brad Grimm's our equipment guy. I mean, there's nothing these guys can't ask for at this point that he's not going to make it happen. We've got another guy, James Euros, like he's got the whole ticket thing. So dialed in, he, he'll have tickets input before guys even, Oh, I forgot my tickets. He's like, I'm they're already in, you know, with that, like getting it done before they ask is almost our goal so that they can just enjoy it and stay loose. And, you know, if they need to get extra swings or whatever, they're not stuck on their phone answering questions. Like we've already taken care of it. Um, and we try to celebrate winning. Uh, it's not easy to win a baseball game at all, um, as you guys have seen all these years. So our post-game celebrations, um, we don't take them lightly, uh, to say the least. We don't just, oh, turn the music on and, hey, there's a couple of cold beers in the fridge. Like, we want it to feel like a celebration. We, throw, we basically throw a surprise birthday party every night we win. Um, uh, that's the other thing is we just want to celebrate how well these guys play from time to time. Makes winning fun, man. Like you said, winning's hard, hard to get those final three outs. Definitely hard to win uh, 107, hard to get into the playoffs. I know for uh, the last couple of years, the, uh, the celebration, I feel like it's, it's in the Kapler and, and Farhan era. And I know there was a year of Boach in there. I'm trying to remember when it started, when a guy gets like a first big league hit or a first big league win. I know you guys were throwing them in the laundry cart, pushing them into the, uh, into the shower, covering them with everything in the fridge and whatnot. Is that still going on? Or is there a special celebration you guys do for big league firsts for some of these players? Uh, you know, it is still traditional and that's across the league to, uh, yeah, to put a guy in a laundry cart and, and get him back there. And it's, uh, man, you talk about like the kid coming out and everybody, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. I remember being on the visiting side the night that, uh, a Reds pitcher named Jumbo Diaz got his first win. <laughs> I and, remember uh, Jumbo, yeah. <laughs> I remember Jumbo getting in one of our laundry carts and, uh, I just remember thinking, um, Man, what what a scene for this guy! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably needed a big laundry cart for my guy Jumbo. Oh yeah, my, God. Was, I was worried. I was worried they wouldn't get him out. You know, I was really worried they wouldn't be able to get him out. But uh, yeah, it's it's tradition across the league to do that, and uh, and it should be. And making it to this level, I'm learning that now more than ever with Jason Krasan, guys like that that grind and grind and grind and you talk about Ramada ends and La Quinta's I mean the sh the, the show in AAA ain't much of a show you know they they earn it when they get here and they're so damn grateful for everything that to get to be a part of that is like very humbling and and I feel honored sometimes to call a guy let him know he's been he called up you know yeah um it's pretty cool is that part of your deal? I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Has there been times where you notified a guy that he was coming to the bigs or, or just information uh, about coming? A hundred percent. No, it's pretty cool <laughs> for me to get to call him and let him know that I'm the guy that's going to get him here. He's been told you. he gets yeah. to come up. Although really quick, I got to tell you, I'm responsible for, we joke about it now. Farhan, I don't think Farhan knows Farhan or Scott. I don't think I ever told him this. So Jake Junis, we get him in the off season. And the process for everything, we're, we're really good. We're, I, I feel like our communication levels are on high alert 24-7 when it comes to, you know, just the movement of things. But, um, you know, it was the only time in my three years doing this where we might have crossed lines a little bit. It was like, hey, we've signed Jacob Junis. And, uh, and I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll reach out to him and find out where he's at because, you know, we'll get him here for spring training and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I called Jacob. I said, hey, Jake, Abe Sylvester. I'd never had him on the visiting side because I think he was with the American League teams. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, travel guy with the Giants, uh, where are you at? He said, oh, I'm in Scottsdale. We were in Scottsdale. I'm like, oh, beautiful. Like, we don't have to do anything. You're going to live at home and you're already here. I said, okay, well, I'm sure um, 
you know, next you'll hear from medical, uh, you know, to, to go over that stuff. But welcome to the Giants. He's like, okay, um, what about like uh, anybody else? I'm like, well, you, yeah, you, you've talked to, I'm sure our GM or, you know, I'm sure your agent has told you. He's like, no, nah, no, why? What, what's up? I, I mean, I jumped the gun, right? Like the guy hadn't, I mean, his agent probably signed the deal, but, and his agent, Jeff Samarge's brother, Sam, hadn't told him yet. I'm like, hey, Jake, I'll tell you what. A, let's pretend this conversation never happened. Um, welcome to the Giants. Um, I apologize. Uh, legit, let's pretend it never happened. I said, by the way, you're the first guy I've ever signed um, uh, to, a, to a contract. So every time Jake Junis goes out to pitch, I always remind him like, Hey, don't forget who signed you here. You know, like yeah. I really try to play that role with him. Uh, Cause he's my one of one, man. That's the only guy I'll ever uh, take full responsibility for. I had nothing to do with it, but like, if I'm the first guy to tell him, like, he's kind of my guy, you know, for life. So. That's a great story. That's a great story. So is he, I, I mean, like after that, did you, did he find out then? I mean, he found out he was signed. Obviously, oh, he's a giant. Think, he's a kitchen, but <laughs> I think 30 seconds later, Cap probably called him and, you know, his poor kid had to act like he was hearing this for the first time. But, you know, uh, he saved my job and I got him a contract. So we're even. <laughs> good deal, man. He's been on the podcast and he's a he's a good conversationalist, too. Junis oh, has been a lot of fun to watch, man. And I, I told him, I'm like, I'm to the point where I circle Junis starts now on the calendar. I'm like, I, I get excited to see him throw. He's had a really, really good season, fills up the strike zone. Uh, in terms of, of other guys on the other side, when you were in the visiting clubhouse what's the and you don't have to name names if you don't want it what's the funniest strangest <clears throat> weirdest request you received from a visiting player could be food barber uh, a game what was there any crazy or funny request that you can divulge on the podcast Ooh, divulge um um you had a guy uh you know it's not uncommon for guys to need cash uh on a getaway day usually because they you know they're gonna play cards on the plane or whatever um had a pretty well-known uh, pitcher once um, asked, asked if I had any cash that uh, he could write me a check for. And I said, yeah, I got, I got cash, but how much you need? And he said, um, he's like, I, I need a hundred. I said, yeah, of course. Like um, I've got a hundred. And he said, you got a hundred grand. <laughs> I said, Oh, you, Oh, you need a hundred grand. <clears throat> he said, yeah. Um, and, and at that point I was naive enough to be like, yeah, let me at least, uh, look into that because that I don't know if I've ever had a cash check for a hundred grand. Um, turns out he would have had to write 10 checks for 10,000 and we would have had to gone to 10 different banks just to avoid. Anyway, didn't do it. I don't know whatever happened with it, but uh, that's when I learned that sometimes these players just want to know you, you put in some effort, you know, you don't always have to deliver, but I mean, look, like I will say this, I bet during the eighties guys got asked some crazy stuff. 99% of everything I've ever been asked for, I would consider ethical and would share like the story with my kids. But yeah, that 1% might make for a good book someday. Yeah, I bet it would, dude. Stories from the from the visiting clubhouse, just stuff guys would have asked you. I mean, it's like uh, it's like ball four with Jim Bouton, right? Uh, the stories exactly. he tells on the road and sort of lifts the veil on all that stuff. Totally thought. And that's back when across the street before baseballism, we still had that spot. They sold cigarettes, donuts, and fried chicken. And dude, and... ate there for years. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, talk about a triple header. I mean, you can't beat that combo. I mean, D Gordon used to send us over there for like scratch tickets and fried chicken. I, I mean, like scratchers too. That was the move over there. Scratchers oh for the game yeah i missed that spot yeah it was, a, yeah, yeah. It was a good place 
good place, dude. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of other stuff with the gig, what, what's your favorite part of the job? I mean, it's you come to work every day. It's it's I'm sure a long hour day. Uh, I imagine you guys are there early. You get crazy times, travel times, especially on the visiting side. Guys getting in late, teams landing late, getting their stuff unloaded. What what's the uh, what's the thing that keeps you happy? That keeps you coming back? Man, just probably the people. The just getting to see the people and and and. You know, once you accept the fact that these ball players are people too, you know, they're not comic book characters like you thought as a kid. And they're they're uh once once you realize they kind of, you know, they're they're just I mean, we're we're such a family, we're such a tight knit group. I think just the people as a whole, um, and the diversity of people that we have is incredible. Um you know, someone, you know, like Alyssa Nacken, for example, has just become such a sister to me. Um, and, and, and watching her develop as a coach, I'm sure she's watching me develop as a, uh, as a travel guy. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really comes down to the relationships. I think that's the thing. If I were to, if I were to walk away tomorrow, a few things would happen. I would, I would sleep. I would get caught up on sleep. I'd probably sleep for two months straight. Um, I I'd get to be home, which would be incredible, but I would really, really miss the interaction uh, with, with this group because it's, you know, win or lose. And it's not always easy when we're losing, but, but, you know, give Farhan Scott, Jeremy Shelley cap a lot of credit. Like they've built an incredible group of people. Um, and, and I think that's the part I would miss is just interacting with them every day. I mean, it is cool because we are in a, in a place in professional sports, college sports, too, where that kind of stuff is talked about. I ran into Gabe actually the night of his birthday, that Sunday, and I ran into him at a bar in the city. And I told him that when I was leaving, I said, hey, man, uh, you know, wins, losses aside, it's really cool to have a manager who is big on culture, who understands the importance of his place in society when it comes to having a platform and, and voicing what it is, whether you agree with him or not, that the, the anthem protest or kneeling during the BLM stuff and kneeling during the anthem and being the first manager in baseball to do that I, I just as a guy who grew up in the bay area and grew up a, a lifelong giants fan and and i, I don't think there's a, a bad manager in my lifetime that i could say a, a bad word about from dusty to roger craig to felipe alu but with the way gabe goes about it and doesn't shy away from things that need to be talked about and far on too a couple of years ago talking about the mask stuff in arizona i just it, it's been a really you know wins and losses aside a really cool and fun organization to root for the last couple of years there's nothing those two can't do you know, when they, you know, and, and I think about Cap and, and what would he be doing if not managing? What's he going to do after managing? And and I think he's proven that, um, you know, he's just, he's not just a dugout guy for the rest of his life. I mean, he could really, uh, you know, use that platform or use a completely new platform to really make some change. Um, I mean, he's doing it now. He's doing it now while managing a, a, a major league baseball team. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be exciting, I think, in the future to see uh, to see what guys like himself go on to do. Because you're right, like they they have beliefs. They're not afraid to stand for them. They're not afraid to to make some waves and 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 uh, and rally people. And it's all for good. It's all for good. Like it's it's not you know to sell a product. Um, it's not to raise awareness about something that has no effect or impact on any of us. Like it's it's really about proactive move you know progression and and i think that the fact that they even care about stuff like that uh in this game that's been around for over a century is is kind of unique still it's 2022 it's still kind of a unique thing for for uh, steve kerr and, and gabe kaplers of the world to be like you know what i am going to use this podium to bring some attention to something it's cool 
It's really cool, man. It's a cool part of the world to be in. I think when it comes to that stuff and the uh, the coaches we have and success to follow it, you know, when you when you're successful on the field as well, then it uh, it echoes louder and you get the bigger platform. Um, in, in terms of of travel operations, uh, I imagine 2020 was just the nightmare of all nightmares in, in trying to get organized and worry about restrictions and when you can leave. And and I guess the saving grace is that everything is on the West Coast, but it doesn't make it much easier, uh, I don't think. So so a schedule release day. We got the schedule release last week for what next year is going to look like. A schedule release day like the big day of the year for team operations personnel is that like your, 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 that's your world series the schedule coming out i love that you say that because i i don't i should think of it like that it's more like it's more like oh damn we gotta start thinking about next i'm trying to get through tomorrow uh right. you know um no we we got it we get it quite a bit earlier uh without game times we at least get to see um where we're going uh you know yeah, it, it is kind of fun. You know what I enjoy doing is working with James Duros. We, we start going through hotels. Like, where do we want to stay? It's like having, you know, uh, you know, having the Giants credit card. Um, it's not that simple, but we like, to, you know, it's it's fun. It's like it's like Monopoly money at that in, in that moment. We don't have to think about the budget we can literally go city by city and start looking at the different hotel properties. Obviously the negotiating piece gets it down to reality, but in that moment when that schedule gets released, first we complain about some of the road trips then we get excited about some of the other cities. Then we start looking at hotels. Um, and then we start building the flight schedule. So yeah, is it our world series? Probably not only because our world series would be the world series. Would be the world that's, series. that's a rush. <laughs> like, like going into the postseason last year, um, that was a rush. Like that was an adrenaline uh, rush, unlike anything I've ever felt. Like some of these guys that have gone to a game seven, I mean, my God, we went to the NLDS and I thought I was going to just croak at any moment. You know, it was just crazy. So, um, but yeah, and then getting the spring training schedule, it's, yeah, it's all planning, man. It's all about planning ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, that you're right about the the division series last year. I, I used to say as a kid, like, I'm like, I don't know if I could ever handle a Giants-Dodgers series, like, emotionally, because I, I couldn't handle losing. I went to all three games that were at home last year, and, and you're right, game one especially – and of all the, I mean, I was at the, the Kane perfect game and Lincecum in game one in, in 2010 against the Braves and Pablo hitting three homers and Bonds breaking the record. The vibe of game one, 2010, Logan Webb against the Dodgers when Buster hit that ball out to right field. I don't know that I've ever felt or heard that place the way it was that night. That's so cool to hear someone like yourself that's seen, that's seen the other ones too. Yeah. Uh, and that was the first Dodger giant playoff, I think, right? All time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, legit playoff. Yeah, because in 62, they had like the three game playoff added and in 51, the same thing. But as far as a scheduled playoff series, it had never happened before. Yeah, unreal. I would love to go live it again, even if I knew we lost just yeah. for, to feel to feel that energy you're talking about. But yeah, you're spot on. It was special, man. Hey, before we let you go, I know you got to run. You got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, give me a, a player, like a young guy who's coming to the clubhouse and maybe he's not a young guy anymore. You've been on the Giants side since 20, would you say 2015 you came over? No, uh, on the Giants side. Oh, of, 20, of, you were hired 15, 20, right? Yeah, 2020, that fun year was my first year doing travel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great, great. Give us a, give us a young player who, because uh, I, I think about the Willie Mack Award and, and you being in that clubhouse and seeing all these guys and how they interact. And I used to wonder that as a kid, like, do these guys hang out together? Are they cool off the field? What's the, the impact of that guy? And then when a guy who the fans sort of see it come through onto the field, 
actually do win a Willie Mack award. I think it's cool. Cause it's like that guy's personality appears to be genuinely who he is when he's hanging out with the team. Is there a young guy or a player who has surprised you with a leadership role? And then when a guy wins a Willie Mack award, or when you see that voting go down, how, how cool is that for you just to get to experience him day to day and the impact he's had on a team? It's very cool. It's very cool. Um, uh, Kirk is Sally came to mind last year quite a bit. I think he got his mindset that he wanted the Willie Mack. Um, so he, he took a lot of crap for that. Obviously seeing Lamont win it was like they nailed it. The, the, the players nailed it. Um, uh, Kurt would have been my vote this year. I still might vote for him um, just so I can screenshot my vote and send it to him. But, you know, one guy that comes to mind um, immediately uh, is, is probably Jock. Um, and, the, and, and again, not a young guy, not necessarily a new guy in the league. Um, We've got a we've got a handful of clubhouse personalities for sure, but Jock, there's something about just his overall charisma and energy that he brings every day, and he's constantly pushing the envelope. He's, he he knows all the places where to poke in that clubhouse. He'll he'll poke me just to, so that I'll go poke Carlos, so that Carlos pokes Cobb, and next thing you know, we're all jiving back and forth. And 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 you know, Jock's latest thing, and I hate to admit it, but Jock's latest thing is he's trying to find a way to raise the overall vibe in the clubhouse after a loss, which when he first brought it up to me, I'm like, dude, this is, you know, again, typical, typical baseball guy. I'm like, that's nah, not traditional. Like don't turn the music back on. Like everybody get changed and get out. But he's like, you know what? Guys still have to show up to work. And he brought up a good point. There's a couple of guys in there. This might be it for them. Do we really want their last month of the, their careers to feel miserable? You know, they might be miserable from a wins and losses record, but we have no control over that right now. All we can control is the, the culture in that clubhouse. But that's been his thing all year. And it's no wonder they won it in Atlanta last year and give him a lot of credit. There's no wonder they won it in L.A. the year before and give him a lot of credit. And you can say he hit some big-time home runs in key situations, but I'm telling you, he brings a level of goofiness, keep it loose, you also know he gets dialed in to, to go up there and hit. He's starting to question things, which I love because, look, just because we're – like you said, we won 107 games last year. Like, nobody should question anything. Well, actually, maybe we should question a few things, and we're just talking clubhouse, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I love that about him. I think it's infectious. I think a lot of people um, gravitate towards that. So – yeah, so many good dudes that I could I could vote for so many guys in that room, but Jock just seems to come to mind when it comes to like what a true clubhouse guy represents for this team right now. That's awesome, man. Especially for a team that's that's been through it this year. You need those guys, and uh, you know Longoria said it after uh, a game in Minnesota. Like we gotta we gotta ratchet it up, or it's gonna be a long September. And, and it sounds to me like that's exactly what Jock is talking about. I love to hear that stuff, man. I could I could go for like two or three more hours just asking you questions or picking your brain and pepper and stuff, quoting Seinfeld, whatever, man. You've been really generous with <laughs> your time, and I'd love to. If, we're, if I'm still here next year, if Kelsey has me back next year to do this again, I'm getting you on. I'm gonna make you a standing guest on the Inside Giant. Oh, podcast. that's amazing. Well, you and me both, because after. After a season like this, nobody's safe. That's the way I like to think of it. But if we're both if we're both back, we got a deal. All right, dude. Abe, hey, thanks so much, man. Uh, good luck to you the rest of the way, and uh, and get working on that 2023 schedule, man. I know it's a you got it. Yeah, no, no, no long three cities, man. Only one of them. So enjoy, man. Talk yeah. to you later. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
How cool is that? I got to tell you, like, the coolest thing for me in doing this podcast and, and growing up a lifelong Giants fan is getting to ask questions that we've always wondered about. I mean, in the years that I sat at the ballpark and hung with my mom just sitting around watching baseball and Giants baseball on TV and throwing questions back and forth, things you've always wondered about, the coolest thing is getting to, to dial into these guys who are like boots on the ground, guys like Abe who are in the weeds of it. And, uh, it, you know, you'd, you'd almost say a fly on the wall, but not even a fly on the wall, a guy who's involved and is a part of the everyday sort of grind of what it takes to get through a baseball season for these guys and we talked about the human element I, I just think having somebody like Abe who cares about these guys day-to-day cares about their families about their well-being it's all just uh, just really cool stuff so really enjoyed getting to do this podcast and especially the opportunity to talk to guys like uh, like Abe like Andy Kuno people who are around the organization that we don't always know uh, make this thing sort of tick make this thing go so uh, that's going to do it for the Inside Giant Moments podcast this week we'll be back next week with another edition of the podcast if you're enjoying it please rate review subscribe to us everywhere it is that you listen to podcasts and we'll keep bringing you the best stories in san francisco giants baseball until then enjoy the phillies as they come to town this weekend to take on the giants at oracle park you've been listening to the inside giant moments podcast i'm your host adam copeland we'll talk to you next week swing and a drum run for brandon crawford this what a performance from logan webb tonight camilo doval gets the save is yastrzemski and late night lamont strikes again belt was all over it the captain inside giant moments it's headed for the bay the third of the night for jock peterson with adam copeland well strikeouts and they're on their feet here at oracle park for carlos rodan It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.